this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on safetyfm.live. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the Jay Allen Show. I hope everything is good and grand in your neck of the woods as we continue to do these different things inside of the times that we are in inside of 2021. It seems like I threw some people off this week when I decided to move the mini to Tuesday. So I'm glad that it threw some people off. That was the whole point of the sequence of events. Well, today it's really going to be strange because the normal interview that we would have done on Tuesday, we're doing today on Friday. But I have to tell you, this particular interview that we have going on today, I'm glad we're doing it right now on Friday. So let me tell you some information about what is going on. Today, I have the honor and privilege of speaking to Trisha Kegger as the EVP of Risk Management for Jordan Foster Construction. Trisha rose through the executive ranks of historically male-dominated construction industry to find herself in a lonely place as one of the only women in the room. Now her mission is to change the dynamic by equipping organizations and individuals to create healthier work environments that celebrate intersectional diversity, reduce risk, and empower future generations. Trisha created an authentic life and career in her own unique way, all while raising a family. Over the years, more women have joined non-traditional professions, yet in many industries, it is still uncommon to see women in leadership roles. Trisha considers herself one of the lucky ones to have navigated a career into the C-suite and her goals to share her journey with others so she can open doors for the next generation of women, spark a conversation and a pass on key lessons learned that will ultimately make an impact and a difference. Besides this, she is also the author of a book titled the B words. Now I have to tell you, you have to take a read of this one if you have not done so yet. But let me tell you what happened yesterday evening. Trisha was recognized by the Board of Certified Safety Professionals as the first woman to ever receive the CSP Award of Excellence. So it is my privilege and honor to have you listen to this conversation with Trisha Kegerer and myself here on the Jay Allen Show. So Trisha, as I actually go down this, I will just kind of ask all kinds of questions. So I apologize ahead of time. And I always tell people, if you don't feel comfortable asking, um, answering one, don't hesitate to say, I'm not answering that. You wouldn't be the first person and probably not the last okay. person to do so. But I, norm- I normally start off with the most simplest question, which probably sometimes is the most <laughs> difficult one. What caused you to get involved into safety? Oh, I, I literally fell into safety, as they say. It's my safety joke. <laughs> okay. When you say literally fell, I'm almost, I'm almost concerned here. <laughs> no, I'm here. kidding. Um, so basically, I worked, uh, so I started out at college as a workers' compensation claims adjuster in El Paso, Texas. And um, that was my career of choice because they offered me a salary and a job after I graduated at 21 years old. And um, yeah, good idea. Good idea exactly. to go down that path. And then. so then I went into manufacturing um, a few years later and I was working for a stonewashed denim 
gene manufacturing company in El Paso. We had over a thousand employees and uh, they hired me because their workers' compensation was out of control. They were actually going to have to shut down if they didn't get under control. And I spoke Spanish. I grew up in El Paso. We had three or four incidents where employees were moving pallets of rocks out with their hands and knees from under these really large, gigantic washing machines. And um, I went out on the, the production floor and just asked the guys why they were doing it that way. And they told me that the pallet jacks were broken. So I marched down to the maintenance office and introduced myself and asked the maintenance man very nicely in Spanish if he could please fix the pallet jacks. And lo and behold, I saved the soft or the, the lower back strain issue within the company. A few weeks later, uh, a gentleman flew down from um, South Carolina and asked me if I'd like to be the safety director. <laughs> nice. That's a change. Now, I have to backtrack because I speak Spanish okay. as well, but I don't know that. I don't know that one word that you just referenced. How do you say pallet well, jack in Spanish? Well, I have no there, clue. This is interesting. There's probably, and I don't even remember the real way to say it. There's probably like some big word, but in, in El Paso, mm -hmm. in the border Spanish, it was gatos. So, so it's, oh, okay. a, which okay. is also a cat, right? Yeah. So, um, right. So they, I learned the slang word for it, and I asked the um, maintenance person to fix the gatos, and he did. Um, but yeah, so well, it, 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 it's interesting that you say that because they also in in Spanish that I'm familiar with, they reference that as a jack. So I that yeah. does make sense. It didn't trigger my brain until you said that. That yeah. I was like, okay. So I definitely speak border Spanish when I've when I have <laughs> tried to do things you know, more grammatically correct or whatever, um, people don't understand me. So I just kind of do things my way. <laughs> so. so how did you enjoy living in El Paso? You made a reference to it quite often yeah. there. So how long of a period of time grew, were you there? I grew up there. Um, I absolutely love El Paso. Okay. I, I love everything about it. Um, Jordan Foster, the company I'm worth with, uh, now their home office is in El Paso. And uh, my parents, I'm, I'm an... I was born in the Bronx, New York. My All my grandparents were Irish immigrants. So my mom and dad grew up in the Irish neighborhood in the Bronx. And then when I was four, they decided to move to El Paso, like most Irish families do in New York. <laughs> That's definitely a change of pace for sure. I mean, I don't know. I mean, and I lived through Texas. I've been through several of the, of the different places and actually lived there for a long uh -huh. period of time. But that is one of the sections that I never had the opportunity to live at. Yeah. So I know that it's much different than the rest of it. So going there and being in El Paso, growing up there, so you've seen some things, but you were there and you referenced right now Jordan Foster Construction that you were there, but you left them for a period of time. I did. And, and then, then I came, came back. back. So I was here at Jordan. Well, it was CF Jordan um, and Paco Jordan is the owner. Um, and he... Uh, him and Darren Woody hired me and I, I started out there as their uh, safety and risk manager many years ago and stayed there about 11 years. And then I left and went to ACIG doing risk management consulting. Um, I was the risk management executive for ACIG, which is a captive insurance company that focuses only on construction. So I worked with nine different contractors across the U.S. Um, and so that was a wonderful job. Uh, funny before COVID, uh, I was traveling literally every week, uh, working at, um, ACIG and, 
Um, and my father is still in El Paso and he needed some help. Um, and time timing, I had always stayed in touch with uh, the folks at Jordan Foster. Um, they had had a change of ownership, but I'm, I'm still, I was always in touch with them. We always kept in touch. And after a while, um, timing, I knew I needed to make some changes to, to, for family reasons. And uh, they asked me to come back and I did. So here I am. <laughs> but, now, but, but now you're not in El Paso. You're in the Dallas yeah, Metroplex, so, as they like to say on the radio yeah, so, there. So basically <laughs> the, um, the interesting thing is, so even the first time around, I was in El Paso. I started there. We were, I was there for about four years. But of course, we had operations all over the state. And my husband is an engineer. He got a really good job offer here in the Dallas area. So we moved here. So I was one of the, right. I like to say I was one of the first that, that negotiated a flexible work schedule. Um, I was always traveling, but working from home, but would, which made it avail my, myself very available for my, for my kids as I was raising them. So it was kind of a win-win when I went in and said my boss to my boss, that my husband's job was going to take us to Dallas. He goes, well, I guess my risk management and safety department just is going to move to Dallas then. That's a good thing. That is definitely a good thing. So let me ask the question then. So we're, we're talking a few years down the year or down, down the path of you going through this. You've been already in the safety profession for a while. So how does the thought of the B work <laughs> come into mind how does this whole start how does this whole thing start and you say it's time to write this book what's what's going on in the timeline well uh i had this first of all i have to say i'm a writer so i write all the time it's kind of my hobby other people golf i get up early on sundays and and write stories and i i really love to uh especially write stories about women and and empowerment because i believe that that's how if we can create role models and other women can kind of see that uh, someone that's done something that they're interested in doing, they can move forward. So, so I, that's just something I'm very passionate about and I love to do it. So I also am a safety geek. So I write a lot of stuff on risk management <laughs> and safety things, but I'm always thinking and, and I like to do research and write articles. So that's what I do. I had an idea for a long time. Um, Probably uh, as I got better at my job and I moved up in my career and I was more confident in my knowledge and skill set, I call it the the babe to bitch phenomenon that happens. <laughs> so, you know, from kind of being young and just starting out and um, in a way naive about how things are going. And then as you become, I became more of an expert in my field and I became more confident in my opinion, suddenly, you know, then all of a sudden, in, in some cases, being a woman in construction and in, in, in safety world, uh, from time to time, I was referred to as a bitch. So I had this idea for a long time, the story of the babe to bitch, but then I realized I had a lot more to say. And um, as I was speaking at conferences, uh, you know, I, I'd go to conferences and talk about construction risk management or safety, technical things. There would always be, as more women got into these fields, there was women waiting for me at the end of a talk and asking me questions like, how did you negotiate a flexible schedule? Uh, how did you 
talk to your husband about your career and his career and, and kind of that whole finding a way to make it work for both of us. And you didn't tell a whole bunch of people. To no, start I moving, did not. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> but, so I had this idea for a long time. And then a friend of mine and I were at lunch and I, I thought the B word is a great, because everyone knows which word we're referring to. Right. But it's a great title. And then we came up with the B words. And then I just started thinking about what do I want to say? Um, and what's a B word that goes with it. So it, each chapter kind of stands alone. It's a book that you can pick up and read a chapter on balance, or you can read a chapter on the one that I think I'm very happy I threw in. And I think it's one of the most powerful is the bridges chapter. It's how men and women can work together to create opportunities in the future for inclusion. Well, let's talk a little bit then about your career as you're doing this. And of course, you're saying that you're a writer come Sunday morning. That's something that you enjoy doing. So it's a passion, which is great Mm -hmm. to hear. But as you take a look at this, you're in a male dominated industry, at least at the time of this conversation. That's how it mostly is. Hopefully things, of course, will change Mm -hmm. into the future. But how difficult is this as you span over your career and take a look back of you're going from the babe to bitch, (laughs) as you put it. As, and people's in people's perspective, how does that have an impact on so you? So I think it had a, a pretty significant impact on me. I, I have a lot to say uh, about it. So you know, subsequently, that's why I wrote a book about it. But I also think so. Two things: one, um, we still have work to do, and somehow I was able to navigate this career. But I never had anybody to ask for advice, and I call in the book I call myself the only. Right? I was always the only woman in the room. I was always the one. The good news is I didn't have to wait in line to go to the bathroom. Right? I was always the only. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, there was nobody to ask for advice. There was nobody for me to kind of com- to, to even say, "Well, that's weird," or "Or how am I supposed to navigate that?" Um, as more women gravitate towards industries like construction. Um, I think that part of my journey is to open more doors and give back. And if I can do that by sharing stories, the interesting thing is, as I started writing the book, every chapter has kind of like a premise of what I think is going on. Um, And then I have stories to support that. And then I have breakthroughs. Okay, what can we do to make a difference, whether it be personally or in a a business environment? And um, but just the idea of going out and meeting other women and hearing their stories, I realized that I wasn't alone. And uh, the stories resonate with women in our industry. And so um, that's how I ended up doing it. I also have to say, I've been very fortunate that I've had a lot of great men that have opened doors for me, but I, I'm very cognizant of the fact that it had, if it hadn't been for people giving me a chance and opening a door, I wouldn't have had the amazing career that I have today. But let's talk about that for a moment. How difficult is it being the first woman in the room? How difficult is it to have, for you to be the person that has a male open the door? Cause that's the way that you, that mm-hmm. you phrased it and go in. How difficult is that? Because let's, if we're going back, let's say for instance, late eighties, early nineties, people have a total different point of view than what they do now in 2021. So what are you going through at the time? I I think a lot of it, well, first of all, I was raised by um, an Irish, my mother was an Irish woman. uh, I mean, first generation born American, but grandmothers, grandparents, all from Ireland. Um, Very strong 
very determined, very no-nonsense woman from the Bronx, right? And I remember a lot of how I conducted myself and how, how I show up in the world, I learned from my mom. And I remember specifically at one point having a very difficult day and, and really thinking that I didn't belong in construction and her saying, so, so since when do you ever let anybody push you out? So she was just like, just, just keep going, you know, just move on and keep going. Um, so I think that tenacity is important. Um, I also think I was very, I did everything I could to be the expert in the room, to learn my craft. So if I could, if, if they were doubting me because of my gender or um, it, it didn't show up because, or, or my education and my expertise and the letters after my name, if you will, gave me the credibility um, to, to, stand, to stand and stay in the room. And I think that was really, really important. So, and I know that as we do this professionally, we have, of course, this, we'll say, uh, I, want, I don't want to call it a persona, but we have a, a portion of our personality that we put in public. Mm -hmm. So as you're going through this, and of course, keeping in mind being the first woman in the room, which I think is, is important to the story, of course, how does this impact you when you get back home? Because, of course, people inside of, we'll say, of these different rooms that you're in, they're looking at you. And they're, of course, they're holding you to a higher expectation. So how does this impact you when you get back home and you don't have to be this person or persona or this portion of your personality? How does it impact you then? Well, that's a, a, a good question. I think uh, usually when I was back home, I was um, raising kids and, and doing everything else that everybody, women do as my, you know, my, my career started to take off as my children started to grow up too. So they were very young at the time. And, and um, so part of it maybe is didn't have time, much time to, to think about anything. I was just trying to keep all the balls in the air, <laughs> make sure everybody. <laughs> yeah, kids, kids will do that to you. Kids definitely will do that. Um, I do. I do know that I was someone, you know, I am a, I would say probably an emotional person and there's always this desire to be liked. And I had to get clear on the fact that in some cases, maybe I wasn't going to be liked and I was okay with that, but I knew what I was doing was the right thing to do. And I, I stand stood by that conviction. And I, and I think that that's definitely an important portion portion mm -hmm. of your journey because I, of course, as you know, and I know, the more you think about something, the better it can be, depending on how you're looking at it, or it could be the worst thing, just depending sure. on how you're looking at it. So just listening to this approach, I think it's great because I think that there's sometimes some struggles that people have that, of course, the, the person behind the person sometimes don't want to be described in public. So I appreciate you actually stepping out of a, most people's comfort zone to talk about it. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I'm, um, I, we all have our own struggles and we all have our, our challenges. Uh, I think the most important thing is to, to just keep going. Right. So. <laughs> so as you, so as you're going down the path of your career, when does all of a sudden the opportunity for speaking engagements occur to you where they say, okay, we want Trisha to show up and we want her to give a speech at X. At what point are you getting the knock on your door or the ring on the phone for this to start occurring? Well, so I had been a member of ASSP for many, many years, right? Probably, 
um, before I got married. So when I was working in the manufacturing company is when it started, uh, when I, when I joined. So I was one of the only women at the first PDC that I went to years and years ago. Um, and then, uh, actually took some time, got lived in, my husband's from Munich, Germany. So lived in Germany, had kids and then came back. Um, I got my B, my CSP during the time that I was, away. Um, I knew I wanted to come back to the U.S. and I knew I wanted a career in safety because I absolutely loved it. I thought, I can't believe like this is people get paid to, to do this. This is unbelievable. This is great. <laughs> yes, they and do. So, yes, they do. <laughs> but back to that whole, I knew I wanted, to, so I'm going to be moving back to the U.S. having had several years off and two children, two babies. How can I ensure that I can re-enter? And I got really great advice to to sit for my CSP exam. So so that's what I did. And I think that was probably a pivotal moment in my career and a very good choice. And I, I, I believe strongly in that process. Um, but uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It was it was initially on how did you start getting the oh. call for doing speaking? So, well, actually, when I came back um, and I started working for for the construction company for CF Jordan at the time, Jordan Foster. Now, um, I, I, we were doing some really cool stuff, and I have because I started out in claims. I understood the business side of things. Um, I understood the waste going out the back door when people got hurt and the frustration of being reliant on a workers' comp system that doesn't necessarily really benefit the employer or the employee sometimes, right? It's a very difficult system. So if we can reduce, if we can prevent the accident in the first place, it's everybody wins. And so I had a lot of strong opinions on all of that and, and, and insight. And in the safety, at the time, safety was very much about compliance and, you know, understanding how to make sure things were right in the field. I was able to bring this perspective of how do we impact the bottom line and how can safety improve the bottom line performance of the organization? So I actually, the first time I applied to speak at ASSP and I was blown away that they accepted me. And then that just started going from there. Um, and whenever something is of great interest to me, I, I research it, I write about it, and I thought it was really fun. So another topic that I started speaking about on a regular basis was education across cultures. How, how can um, how we grow up and where we are raised impact how we show up in the workplace? And does that impact our, our safety and how we address it? And so a colleague of mine, uh, Grace Hedetta, and I spoke on that for, for years at many different conferences. So um, part of it was me just putting myself out there as a personal goal. Um, I wanted to speak at a conference as a personal achievement. Um, and then once you put yourself out there, then people come knocking. This is The Jay Allen Show. We all want to make sure that our family is protected in medical emergencies. What many of us don't realize is that health insurance won't always cover the full amount of an emergency medical flight. Even with comprehensive coverage, you could get hit with high deductibles and co-pays. That's why an Air MedCare Network membership is so important. As a member... If an emergency arises, you won't see a bill for air medical transport when flown by an AMCN 
provider. Best of all, a membership covers your entire household for as little as $85 a year. AMCN providers are called upon to transport nearly 100,000 patients a year. This is coverage no family should go without. Now, as a Jay Allen Show listener, you'll get up to a $50 e-gift card with a new membership. Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com slash safety and use the offer code safety. And don't forget to tell them that Jay Allen sent you. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. So let me ask the question then. When the ASSP offers you this opportunity, I'm assuming that it's probably ASSE at the time, correct? It was, yeah. So when mm-hmm. they offer you the opportunity to speak, what year mm-hmm. are we roughly talking, if, that, if that's okay to ask? Oh, no, it's fine. Um, let me think. So it was probably 2004 or five, I think. Do you remember yeah. where it was located, where the event was located at the time? The first one, the, so I've, I've spoken at, at ASSP for, for many, many years. I imagine, I but of course, say, the first one's supposed to stick out the most, isn't it? <laughs> I, it was Vegas. Okay. And it's actually, the, re, the, re, the one I wrote about in the book, I actually wrote about speaking at ASSP that sticks out in the book, it sticks out the most is 2000 and um, 2009. Um, I had a terrible experience and almost said I would never speak again at any conference anywhere um, after the death of my mom. And so that whole story is in the book. And I use it as as part of the limiting beliefs chapter because kind of did a number on myself. Um, and it's a story. It has a lot. The story has a lot to it. So um, and that one uh, was was really tough. So uh, going through you know, just putting yourself out there and thinking I was ready for something that I wasn't. And, uh, anyway, I could go on. I'm sorry. I will tell you, it's just you and I speaking. So let's, let's be honest here. What, uh-huh. what's taking place is that people want to know the story. They want to know the story behind the person and that's what mm-hmm. takes place. So believe me, all these anomalies that you go into that's what people want to hear i mean i will tell you i know that you've been on other shows and people interview you and they ask you their standardized questions people want to know the the human they want to see the human side of you of exactly what's going on so believe me when you go into side stories i think that that they're great but okay perfect i know i know (laughs) i know you talked a little bit about the book you talked about right now which is very crucial to the whole thing the death of your mother so are you, if you don't mind me asking, I don't want to give away too much of the book, of course. Mm-hmm. Are you about to do the speaking engagement and this occurred? Yeah. So what happened is, um, yes, absolutely. So my mom in December of 2007, my mom suddenly passed away and uh, she was my rock. As I mentioned before, she was just this amazing, strong woman and an amazing grandmother and she heard my dad spent a lot of time you know they taking care of my kids and kind of come we actually go to ASSP conferences as part of our annual vacation and I would I would uh go speak at the conference and do my thing and they would um take the kids and wherever we were have have a fun vacation with them and so my mom passed away in December of of 2007, right before Christmas, it was a shock to all of us. And it was a really rough, rough time. 
And I had applied to speak at the conference in June. And instead of really recognizing that I was in a dark place, I just kept going like I always did and um, bought plane tickets to go to Vegas with my my dad um, and my two kids and just assumed that my dad would assume the role of, of taking care of them. And uh, we got to Vegas. We checked into the hotel. I was about to go put on my business suit to, so I could run down and check in and get ready to, to, to be at the conference. And <laughs> my dad looks at me and says, where the hell do you think you're going in his Bronx accent? Cause he's a New Yorker too. And <laughs> um, at that moment I turned into Mrs. Doubtfire. So I, all of a sudden I realized, Oh my God, I've never missed my mom more than anything in this one moment. Cause I kind of thought he was up for it and he was, he was going through his own grief. They'd been married for 46 years and it was just a really tough time. It was just all too soon. Oh. But and instead of bowing out, I went ahead and um, took my time, went to the conference, came back, took, took the kids to the pool, did, did that whole thing. And then the, the day, the day, the last day we were there was the morning I was supposed to speak. And I, I realized I had not looked at my presentation. I had no notes with me. I didn't even print out my slides. And I just head over there. And so the whole way, the voice in my head is, oh, my God, what are you doing? You, you, you're you not prepared. You're going to fail. This is going to be terrible. And I get up there and I'm holding on to the podium for dear life. And the, the, the person that's in charge of the uh, computer and all of that, the IT guy, comes up and he gets puts, mics me up and everything. And... I've, I've got nothing. I mean, I am just lost. I, I, and, and I'm was just so beaten down. The slides were behind me. I couldn't, so I had to like, look at every time I clicked the button, I would look at the slide. He put the mic was up on the podium, so I couldn't walk around. Um, and people, I mean, I was just like feeling just kind of talking nonsense. I didn't even know what I was saying. And I was so incredibly nervous. I was shaking and holding on to the podium for dear life. Finally, about 20, 30 minutes in, I said, okay, I'm done enough. And um, called it just a, that's it. <laughs> and as, as I wrapped it up, I see a gentleman walking towards me and I thought, Oh, someone has a question. Maybe in my mind it's bad, but it's not that bad. And it was the IT guy. And he's like, Whoa, that I bet you're really glad that's over. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and I thought, okay, this is awful. And I said to myself, I'm a much better writer than I am a speaker. I will never speak at another conference again. And I believed that for two years and I, I would not, I refused. I quit. I quit applying to speak. I, if someone called me and asked me to do anything, I wouldn't do it. I would just be sure I'll write a newsletter. I'll write an article for you, but no, I don't speak anymore. Well, then my cousin and I had this idea to write this book called wise Irish women. And it honors my mother and it honors my grandmother. And I went through the process of interviewing women from around the world that have an Irish connection like we do. And we wrote this book and I realized that if I hid it under a rock and was afraid to speak out loud again, it, it, nobody would know about the book. So and that so was the catalyst for me to, to start speaking again. <laughs> so is that, the, is that the reason why on the book it has you listed as Patricia instead of Tricia? Is that yes. part of the reason? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, so, well, I've always been Tricia, but my original, my, my 
full name is Patricia, but so with the B words, I actually decided to just name and claim it. I'm Trisha. Everybody knows me as Trisha, but originally back then I wrote it as the, the first book I wrote, Wise Irish Woman, was Patricia. Well, if you were just trying because, to hide, that's a good thing to do at the same time, too. I mean, let's just be realistic about the whole thing. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even thought about that. So, uh, yeah. It, it was, it was but, your brain playing tricks on you even back then. So here's my question for you. As you're going sure. through this, this experience occurs. You did reference that you that you're, you that you have your children with you. How young were they at the time? And I know Vegas is kind of a crazy place to to let kids hang out, regardless. But how old were we? Are we speaking at the time? Yeah, they were. Um, let me think. So my it was two thousand and eight, I believe, and my so 90, let's do math. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, Nine. My son was born in ninety six. My daughter was ninety nine. So they were probably okay. Eight so, and. So still 10. under 10, so still under 10, 10 and below. So 10 and below. Okay. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it makes it definitely and for some interesting time. So do they end up going to the conference with you then? No, they, my dad, that morning, my dad took care of them. Okay. And, um, and then, and that was the other thing. Well, he, he, he was supposed to take him, meet me at the airport because our flight was leaving right after my speech. And so in my mind, I'm like, are they going to make it to the airport? But of course, everybody <laughs> turned out fine. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, but, but there's so been there's been several speaking engagements since then. I mean, I have seen mm-hmm. I, what I could find is that you have stuff as late as 2020, and we're not counting anything virtual. I'm only talking about live events. So I think that things worked out very well shortly thereafter, at least so they appear. Yeah, absolutely. I but I do write about the importance of beliefs and what we do to ourselves and that internal dialogue and under, identifying it because really I was doing a number on myself. And the reality is I could have stood up in that room and spoke about construction, safety and risk management um for for hours without needing a slide or without needing a presentation because I was living and breathing our 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 process and our leadership um program at the time but it was just all this limiting beliefs and emotions that and I was I was believing all the doubts that I had in my head and letting them have power over me and um, it was just one of those moments in life where you're like okay is this going to be the way it's going to be forever or are you going to do something about it to change it and so after the wise Irish woman book was ready to go I thought you know this is going to resonate with a lot of people and I don't want my mom's story and to, to die with her. I want it to keep going. And so that was the catalyst for me to, to, to go out and pick myself up and do it again. And I've been told I'm a pretty good speaker now. Oh. <laughs> you haven't had any so. IT person say anything since then. I hope, I mean, only no, in good ways. Not. <laughs> and only in good ways. Like that was great, Trisha. And I'm like, well, thank you. Well, <laughs> That's always, that's always good to hear. Now, here's my question for you. I see that you have mm-hmm. done, of course, the B, the B, oh, I'm going to mess it up, the B words book, but you didn't yes. limit it to a book. You also have on your website, the B mm-hmm. words blog. Now, tell yes. me some of the ideas behind that. Well, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, women's stories and stories of empowerment and creating role models. Right. So especially with women and young girls, if you can't see someone who looks like you doing what you think you might aspire to do, then you may never think that you can. And there's all this prohibition in the world telling young women we can't do this. You don't belong there. 
And even if it's not so blatant anymore, there's still a lot of barriers that can prohibit women from exploring what they want to do. So my idea was, well, using my storytelling ability and my, I just love to connect with people and tell their stories. I decided to start a blog. And so I just, people I know or people who have, who've approached me or have indicated that they like the book found, reached out to me on social media. I ask if I can tell their stories and then I just write, I write blogs. Well, and, and, I, and I'll tell you, I, I was taking a look at some of the the last couple of entries that you had on there, and you have mm-hmm. one that focuses on Dr. Biden. What, what? That was me. Oh. <laughs> so um, there was, I also just, so sometimes I'm interviewing women and, and writing um, what, uh, you know, their stories. And other times I'm kind of looking at it as an opportunity to, if something moves me or something I'm interested in happens or, or something that illustrates a point that I have in the book. And so the Dr. Biden situation, um, there was a op-ed in the wall street journal right after uh, Biden won the election and everything was still up in the air. And apparently this, um, Epstein is his name. Uh, a journalist was saying that she should not, use the title doctor. And he was very blatant in his approach and saying that it, it was it was immature of her to use the title doctor because only medical doctors who have given birth or had babies should um, use use the title doctor. And it just really touched a nerve with me because I'm thinking, okay, so the Wall Street Journal has interviewed Dr. Martin Luther King and used the title doctor, but he never delivered a baby um, and other people, other men. And it just really, I felt like it was just another degrading way to say, to, to point something out of a woman who's career oriented enough to, even when she was the vice president uh, for, I don't know what you call the vice president's uh, wife. I, I, I don't know either. I, 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 don't don't wanna, know. I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> but well, when he was in office as the vice president, she continued to teach at a community college because she loves her career and she loves her job. And so, so I just didn't like the, the way that it was to me written in a way that was just very derogatory towards women. And I didn't think that that same opinion would come out if it was a man. Oh, I agree. And so I, agree. I wrote it. I, so I wrote, it was an opinion. It was almost an op-ed responding <laughs> to an op-ed, which I don't know if you're supposed to do that or not, but I felt like it was a very powerful point. And like having someone with a lot of credentials after my name, I've worked really hard while I was raising my kids, while I was working, I was always going the extra mile to get the credentials so that I could get in the room and stay in the room and be the expert that I wanted to be in the field that of my chosen career. And so somebody shouldn't shoot darts at the fact that she has an education. Well, and I, and I, I have to tell you, so there's so many interesting blogs that you have on there, but I, you have one that is so cleverly <laughs> titled and I'm going to, and I'm going to tell you this, they're really good, but this one is so cleverly titled when I had seen it, the many oh, okay. bees in RBG. That, oh, yes. t- that title alone, Number one sticks out significantly when you're even going through your blog, but the information written on there is just so fantastic on how it's actually written out. Wow. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So um, that was another pivotal moment for me when um, 
when she passed away and um, made such a um, such an impact in in women's lives in so many different ways. And her approach was so fascinating as well because she recognizing that she was in a man's world, but and she she approached things to get things done where she could have men agree with her. And so it was just really fascinating. And I just, I just was at an admirer and a big fan of RBD. And I I thought I'm going to, I'm going to write a blog about her. I wrote that the day she passed away, I think. Well, it's good. If you can tell people where they can actually find your website, because of course I've referenced it a couple of times, but never gave information on where to find it. So if you could share that with them, I think that probably might be important. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Absolutely. You can find me at trishakegerer.com. Yeah, you might want to spell the last name for them just to be on the safe side. (laughs) Yeah, and it's Trisha with a T-R-I-C-I-A. So I'm not the S-H-A. And then Kagerer, K-A-G-E-R-E-R. It's a good German name. <laughs> yes, nice Bavarian yeah. name. Another B. <laughs> so let me ask a, a couple more things, if you don't mind. How has COVID impacted your speaking engagements and your interactions with people, especially outside of your normal day-to-day work? Are you still able to do some of these virtual, quote-unquote, conferences and being able to interact with people? Yeah, so it's completely changed my my interaction with people, but I've tried to keep going, um, not only for the book. Um, the book actually came out during the pandemic, which was interesting. So normally you would do book signings and have, have you know, uh, speak at events like I was hoping I would speak at ASSP in the summer or ERMI in the fall. And of course, all of that got postponed. Um and so, uh, but there's still opportunities. We just make the best of it with um, using Zoom or whatever platform to to get together. Recently, I was invited to be in the ASSP Wise um, Book Club, and there are several. There's probably about twelve of us just chit chatting about the book. So, um, and then I speak on crisis management, the human side of crisis management. Uh, so, um, and I've been doing that through. Uh, online at several events, uh, ABC and AGC um, asked me to do that. So um, it is very different. I still, since I'm in construction, I still travel some and um, and I mountain in the field as, as I can, but it's definitely been cut back. And then our company has tried to figure out how we can deliver training and materials to re- uh, avoid people needing to congregate in rooms. And so using technology has been really important. So how, how is the transition for you of when you get to wear your superhero cape on the weekend or doing these virtual events and then going back into the construction zone? How does that work out? Um, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, I think uh, I miss I miss traveling a bit. I, I think the, the fascinating part was... I made a decision to kind of cut back on travel before COVID happened, right? Um, when I decided to make a, a career shift and then ended up going back to Jordan Foster. Um, I specifically remember being in March in at the AJC National Convention in Vegas, and then th- they told us uh, they're going to shut down Vegas. I'm like, that's not going to happen. And then there we were. We left on Wednesday. They shut down on Friday. Friday so... That's a big change. Oh, I know. Um, that, that, I mean, I could. I remember when they turned off the lights in Vegas were when 
um, oh my God, I'm gonna forget Sammy Davis died and how big of a deal that was. And I look at yeah. it I look at it now on how big of an impact and then how long how long Vegas was actually closed in comparison uh, with COVID. Yeah. So I think um, the, the thing about being in construction is we are essential and, and we continue to work. And really, it was more about focusing on the folks that are in the field working every single day. What can we do to make sure that they have everything they need to 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 be as safe as we can possibly be in this environment? And so um, I have a team of safety folks that report to me and, and we worked really hard on making sure that we were doing everything we can um, to, to, to show up and serve in that way. And then also the, the, the human side of it, again, the, it, it's, it takes its toll on people. Um, there, there's a lot of challenges and making sure, how can we as a company make sure that we're connecting with our, our people in the field and, and making sure they have resources to, to be okay. A lot of questions still to be answered, of course. I Always, mean, with, yes. with this ever changing. Mm-hmm. So this will be my final question for you, if you don't mind. Is there going to sure. be a sequel to the book? That is so interesting because I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I spent a lot of time getting to this point to bring it out. But just the la- this weekend, I started another new list of bees because so many have come out in the last couple months that I didn't address in the book. Um, and it's also resonating with people. I'm very happy it's resonating, not just with women, but with men as well. Um, I've gotten a lot of positive uh, reviews from from men that I really respect and admire that I consider them the good guys, right? The ones that, that want to make a difference and and have respect and realize that we need diversity and inclusion for us to get to the next level and so it's almost that that's important to me the playbook of, of okay what does that look like and how can we work together so i think there will be okay so so it will be another continuation to the letter b i just want to make sure you weren't going to go down the next step of the alphabet because i was already scared to ask the, that question of course <laughs> <laughs> right now i'm focusing on b words okay. <laughs> just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. Yep. Patricia, yeah. Patricia, if people want to mm-hmm. find out more information about you, where can they go? So, um, again, my website, trishakegerer.com. I'm also on all so- the social media. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and uh, Instagram, Twitter, at Trisha Kegerer. Yeah. Okay. Well, I really do appreciate you coming on to the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm very grateful to be here, and I appreciate all that you do as well. Oh, thank so, you. So, thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed your time during the episode as much as I enjoyed mine. Like I said, that was Trisha Kreger and her book, The B-Words. If you haven't picked it up, it is readily available on Amazon. So take a look right there. If you go to our website, safetyfm.com, and go into our Amazon links, it's readily available right there. Anyways, thank you for always being the best part of Safety FM, and that is The Listener. Safety FM is the home of real safety talk. Don't worry, we'll be back with another episode of The Jay Allen Show before too long. Goodbye for now.
Want more of the Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.